welcome back in Defeating the Curse Redskins preview show. The Redskins will travel to L.A. to face the Chargers. And I think it's a soccer stadium, or maybe it's where the women's soccer team plays. I'm not sure. But the Redskins are on the road this week, headed to L.A., coming off a disastrous Dallas showing last week. Boys, let's just take it one one small step here at a time. I know we were all crushed that they lost to the Cowboys when they really should have won. They were the better team, but they lost, and it's pretty much sealed the fate of the Skins this season. There will be no playoffs. Why did they lose that game in two sentences or less? Let's go LP first. Wait, hold on. We're talking football? I heard, I heard you said something about StubHub, and I thought MLS Cup Saturday. <laughs> Is that not what we're talking about here? <laughs> Let's go Redskins. The, the Redskins lost, not because they came out flat, not because coaching, not because Kirk. Okay, All those people on Twitter need to shut up because they really don't know football. They don't know what they're talking about. The Redskins turned the ball over way too many times. Jamison Crowder can't fumble the punt. That's the reason why the Redskins lost. Was that under two minutes? That's cl- two sentences. That's pretty good. FP, why did the Skins lose to Dallas? It's going to echo LP a little bit there. Um, it's going to be special teams and all special teams. And uh, I've been saying it ever since we lost Danny Smith. Special teams has sucked. Special teams? Are, are you serious? Yeah. You're putting us on special teams? Absolutely. You're putting the fact that they can't run the ball. They can't. They, they can stop. I'm putting it on special Alf- teams. Alfred Al- Morris had 120 look, yards, look, and you're going to blame look. special teams. The defense did their job. No, up they, until, they gave up. Hold a, on. They hold gave on, up 38 points to the, one of the most hold inept on. offenses in the league. Up, up for three quarters, the defense did their job, and the offense kept sputtering out because Jameson Crowder would be dropping passes or fumbling and then Doxon had a, a ball stripped out of his hands that he should have kept and then special teams kept giving them the ball and giving them you are so wrong on this you are oh so my God. wrong the defense, on hold on to fp's point i mean you got to give him credit special teams okay the, the crowder fumble they, they put the, the defense the in a hard punt, spot touchdown. in three quarters the defense held their own Obviously, it's going to get away from them when you're when your offense is playing from behind. You're obviously going to start throwing three and three and outs and, and getting off the field because they know exactly what's coming already with a weak pass game. Your defense was put in a difficult position, and that's because your offense was sputtering. Your and your special teams kept giving them the ball at the ten yard line. Like six, seventeen of those points came within their own red zone because of us. I can't believe you're still talking about special teams. This offense, the offense couldn't move the ball. The defense did not play well for three quarters. I'm sorry, I don't know what game you were watching. Alfred was getting three, four yards a clip the entire game. They, they, uh, this was first, a, it was, first hundred yard game since leaving Washington. By the way, if to, for in two and a half years or two years or whatever yeah. it was, come on, man, this wasn't about the special team. It, uh, look, talk radio since Friday last week. Misery Friday kicked off the weekend, which sucked. Everybody wanted to pin it on a different coach. It was it was Jay's fault. No, sorry, it wasn't Jay's fault. It's Kirk's fault. No, sorry, it wasn't Kirk's fault. It was Minuski. Maybe. I mean, when you when you when you roll thirteen players out there and you still can't stop anybody, yeah, maybe maybe that's a defensive scheme problem. But every component, every, like all three facets of the game, they they just didn't play well. They didn't play well. Dallas outplayed them, out hustled them, and in the NFL, it's not always about the team with the better talent, as we've seen so many times this season. It's who performs better when when you know. It's a game of inches, and not to get all cliche and pull a little LP here, but 
they just didn't they didn't they just came out flat. They just did. And they had to you, have this game and they didn't. Do you realize do the Cowboys had two hundred and seventy five yards of total offense? Oh, on yeah. any that, on any other week. That's right. That would be a good defensive showing. But because most of those offensive yards started in their red zone. Sure. When the field is only 60 yards long, yeah, Look, sure, sure. At the end of the day, they scored 275, or they they had 275 yards, and we were not in it at all pretty much the whole second half. The Redskins were not in this game at all. These these penalties, these fumbles, these well, we took ourselves out wounds, of it. Yeah. self-inflicted mistakes are, are absolutely killing this team. And not to give excuses, but when you have 16 people on IR, 16 people, which of those 16, how many of them had started at some point in the season? 10, 11? 12, that's not even counting like Sua, right? So 16 plus one, Sua, the Cowboys had six, okay? So not to not to take any of this blame off the coaches or off the players. Essentially, everyone had a bad game. The players stunk, the coaches stunk. But they had, teams stunk, you're right, but they everyone had, stunk. But they had stunk. to have this one, right? They had to have this one. You know, it we looked, it. two weeks ago, we looked at the schedule. We said, all right, if we can get the Dallas game, you know, we're not going to catch Philly, but at least this keeps us comfortably ahead of Dallas. It essentially eliminates Dallas from 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 the discussion. We have we have one of the easier schedules in the league coming up over the over the last five or six weeks. Not this week. Now that the Chargers are streaking, and we'll get to them in just a second. But uh, let's let's just yes or no. FP, are, do the Skins are they still alive to make the postseason? Don't give me the mathematical answer. In your heart, do you believe they still have a shot? I'm gonna say no, and that's when you know that you don't really have much to fight for, and your destiny isn't in your own hands. Not that you come out flat, but you just the fire's gone. That's it. The fire's gone. LP, Practice do you is feel easier, the same way? It's gone. Do you feel the same way, LP? I-, I said this last week. I think the Redskins went out, and I thought they were gonna go ten and six, and they still missed the playoffs. There's just too many teams: the Seattle's, the Atlanta's, the Minnesotas, the Green Bay's, the Lions. All do these wanna, teams have do six, you hear- seven, eight nine wins. I mean, you're not going to catch them. The the wild card teams, I mean, the lowest wild card spot in the NFC is going to be probably a 10 and six with a really strong tiebreaker, maybe, uh, you know, 11 and uh, five. So the Redskins were out from probably from before that they really sealed the deal last week. There's pretty much nothing to play for anymore. And this is the first time in the Jay Gruden era, other since the first year that the Redskins have really been out of the playoffs Early December. Well, I di- I disagree. I think they still have a lot to play for. I th- I still think. Listen, we've been Redskins fans for a long, long time. Stevie too, even though he's not with us tonight. We look. We haven't had three winning back to back to back seasons in our lifetime. Just think about that for a second. Lifetime. If you were born in the nineties, I mean, I know we were born in the eighties, but if you were born in the nineties, you haven't seen the Skins have back to back winning seasons until last year, and they're in position to do it again to finish five hundred. Or I mean, if they if they run the table somehow, they could still that, that to me that's a, still a big accomplishment. This isn't a team that is, you know, overperforming to get to nine and seven. I believe that this team is they are underperforming to some extent, but nine and seven or, or eight and eight is still a win in my book because this team has been horrendous for years, decades, whatever. I'll take it. I, I still think they have a lot to play for, and frankly. I don't care that the difference between drafting 12th and drafting 15th or 17th is 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 nominal. So keep playing. They they still have a lot to play for. I think they got to come out and play for their fans. Look, I'll agree to all that stuff and I do I do think you're right because the big, go back how many podcasts when we were talking about what the season would look like. This is exactly where we expected us to be. The thing that hurts and this is going back to the playoff discussion 
is do you realize, aside from the Eagles beating the Seahawks, everything that we needed to happen last week happened to to give our yes. playoff hopes life, and we just couldn't win? Everything. Baltimore beating the Lions, the Vikings beating the Falcons, the Saints sweeping the Panthers. It all happened, and we just couldn't get the stupid W. Except for the Eagles went, uh, losing. You know, right. but but hold on. Uh, but that's you know, I that's saw something. Gonna be a plus in I saw book. something interesting again on the Eagles. They've, I think they've only beat one team that's over five hundred this season. So I mean, it's not it's not a it's not a, it's not a fault that I mean that's the, that's the schedule that they've played so far. But they're not like the strongest nine and two or ten and one or whatever their record is. They're not like the best that we've ever seen. Now they're getting it done and they're they're running. Obviously, they ran away with the NFC East. Um, but the skins the skins going to beat them in week one, and I don't want to like rehash. What we've already talked about, but the, the Eagles look like one of the better teams in the NFC East. And oh, sorry, they're the best team in the NFC East. They look one of the better teams in the NFC. And if you put the Skins right next to them, frankly, if you put the Skins next to any team in the NFC, they're not that far off, even with all these injuries and everything else. So I, I still yeah. think an eight and eight or a nine and seven a finish. I think it saves Gruden's job. Frankly, he shouldn't be on the hot seat, but I think it saves his job. I think an eight and eight or a nine and seven finish almost guarantees that at least the skins will offer Kirk something or transition tag him. I think if they go if they go under 500, uh, I think you see them both walk and I think that's a disaster for our franchise here boys cuz we're starting from scratch with essentially nothing. If you don't have a quarterback, why is anybody going to come here? Uh, well, that that's what I, I was I don't think that's going to happen. Like think about it, think about it this way. At the beginning of the season, we all took season predictions. I think we, we were all in the 7, 8, 9, 10 range, some of us as low as 4, okay? Take those predictions and say, give me 16 players, and I'm going to take them out of, out of the off the team. And then we're still going to go maybe 6, 7, or we're going to go probably 8, 7, uh, you know, between 7 and 9. Like, the season is still, like, let's put it all in perspective here. It's still a success, right? With all these injuries, with, with all this, like, we don't see – the leaks that happen on Sundays like we did in the Shanahan years. We don't see the the two timeouts back-to-back like we did with Zor. Uh, you, you still see some problems with timeouts. Let's, the, the, the back-to-back timeout, I, that was Gibbs. You see that, that with was Bill Gibbs. Belichick. You see that with every coach. Like, Don't tell me that, that Jay Gruden is the problem here because he's no, really – he's not. So he, just, he's just not. Take, take a step back and say, okay, let's look at this as, the, as a whole picture. Let's you know re, regroup. Like, yes, it was a very emotional loss last week, and yes, it really stunk. But, you know, and yes, the season's over and today is December 6th. But, like, let's take a step back and say, is this team really headed in the wrong direction? And there's a lot of key pieces that if you re-sign, you re-sign. You see them having conversations with Zach Brown about a contract extension. You get Zach Brown on the contract. You have Jonathan Allen come back. You get, you know, Trent Murphy back. And now you have a really deep outside linebacker group. You get some help at safety. You get some help, you know, at receiver. Yeah. There's still some things to happen, but this team is not going in the in the wrong direction. That all of a sudden lost to the Cowboys. Let me let me pose the question though, and and you and I were talking about this earlier. Historically, our management, our front office, overreacts or drops the ball somehow, and makes all of us throw our hands up in the air and freak out at our at our team. Let's say that happens this off season. Let's say instead of common sense and knowledge being applied to the off season and filling the gaps and hoping for a healthier next season. Let's say Bruce freaks out. Snyder freaks out. We don't offer Kirk. He goes away, get rid of Gruden, blow the whole thing up. 
which I don't want to happen. I'll say that right now. I do not want this to happen, but it's a very possible thing that could happen, which sucks. But if it does happen, what do you, what do you, what do you, do you still follow the team? Do you, do you do what I do where I hope, I hope next year we tank with Colt and that Bruce somehow finds himself on the hot seat because Snyder's like, what did you do to this team? And we lose Bruce. That's what I want to happen. If we go that route, I want it to result in the loss of Bruce Allen. Yeah, but FPI, I think you're thinking about the Redskins of the Vinny Serrato days of the previous to Bruce Allen. We saw with Bruce Allen, Bruce Allen actually doesn't blow things up. Like the Hazlitt firing should have happened probably a year before it actually happened. The Joe Barry firing should have probably happened midseason or at least a year before. Like he doesn't actually blow things up. If anything, that guy doesn't make any free agency moves, doesn't make any big big headlines. Like other than like obviously he's an idiot and the the Scott McLuhan <laughs> thing and you know whatever he does stupid things like that all the time. Like we can't. The guy's just not an intelligent guy. But he's not the type of guy to to act irrationally and just blow everything up. Like that's kind of what we had before. And I don't think that Bruce sounds like that. So honestly to think that Jay Gruden is on the hot seat after getting an extension, just, you know, less than one year ago, like what, six, seven months ago is to me is just is unreasonable. And, you know, after 16, you know, players on IR, you can't really land on, on the head coach. And, see, you, and we see this with, with teams like, like the Panthers, right. And Riverboat Ron, like, they went Super Bowl to, like, what did they win last year? Like five, six, seven games. And then, you know, before they went to the Super Bowl, they were, they were thinking about firing Riverboat Ron. The key to NFL in any franchise is that his nickname? I've never heard that nickname. Is that his I've never nickname? heard of Riverboat Ron? That's his nickname. I mean, how, how much do you follow the Panthers to really know their nicknames? I'll be on sports. Look, I want to get in on this topic. <laughs> I want to get on this topic. Jay, you're putting it on, you know, LP, you're, you're kind of hanging your hat on the coaching job that he's done with all the injuries. I'm not even going to use that angle at all. I'm going to say Jay has, like, he's earned every penny that he's been paid this year because he has taken a sub, a below average roster on offense and defense, but definitely on offense. Right. And they're still, as of last week, in the hunt for the playoffs. They, they lost to the Chiefs when they really should have won, they lost to the Eagles when they really should have won. They they should have beat the Cowboys. They had the Saints beat. Like we're talking about legitimately three, if not four games that went the wrong way late. You know, and that that can't all be on him. Some of it surely is because when that's a pattern and, and he deserves some of the blame for it, as right, does as does Minuski. But he's done a phenomenal job just looking at the offensive side of the ball here. You lose you lose Shanny. To, to Atlanta, they go to the freaking Super Bowl. You lose McVay. McVay turns around. Uh, I mean, he turns around one of the worst offenses in the league in a, in one summer. These guys were they were like to say they were talent or they were legitimate like brilliant minds is an understatement. What they've been able to do now, obviously, Shaney's not doing so great without good pieces around him or good pieces to coach up in 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 San Francisco. But regardless, Jay Jay has stepped in taken over the offensive coordinator role, and this offense, even with all the turnover, the loss of Deshaun, the loss of Pierre, all the injuries, they're not that far behind the pace where they were last year. That, to me, merits him not being on the hot seat. And frankly, Kirk has, again, 
Yes, he has these collapses down the stretch. He's he, he, yes, he has he he lacks some poise when the game's on the line in in crunch time. But frankly, he went to Seattle with the game on the line and and threw a, a perfect pass and it got done. So like he's not he's throwing the ball. He's not catching it. And and we have a problem catching the ball as we discussed in the lead in here, right? Crowder had way too many drops. And I'm not talking just right. about the Cowboys game. This is a this is a habit now, right? Put any put Morgan Moses back. He's there. a rookie. Put again. anyone back there to right. fair catch the ball, or just don't put anyone back there and just just roll the dice. I mean, you cannot continue to put someone back there who's going to put who's a liability to you to do the simplest job. I understand there's a lot of pressure, but it is an easy job. You catch the ball. You can wave your hand and just catch the ball. You don't have to be special. You don't have. To, you're not going to take it to the house anyway. That to me is is what's extremely frustrating. But I look at this team, and again, I I can't. These are professionals. I cannot see them just tanking for the sake of to move up two two draft spots or three draft spots. No, I just don't no, see it happening, no right? Thinking. And frankly, definitely we no look thinking. we look up I ninety five. You look at New York. You want to talk about a dysfunctional team? That team was a playoff caliber had a playoff caliber offense and defense last year. The wheels come off, <laughs> and it shows you what happens when you have dysfunction between your management and your head coach. They, the, you know, McAdoo wants to make a change, doesn't make a change, then makes a change for absolutely no reason to play Geno Smith. He's fired the next week. Eli goes back in. Like, McAdoo should never coach again in the NFL because he caused the streak to end for absolutely no good reason. I feel reason. so bad. I don't like Eli Manning, but man, do I feel bad for him. I feel so bad that that is how his streak ended. McAdoo or, or should never way. ever coach again because he had no foresight. Geno Smith was not the answer. Like and Eli wasn't the problem. So, you know, that's a dysfunctional situation. And frankly, they have more talent. I'll agree with that. They have more talent across the board than the skins do for the most part right now. They just yeah. it's just the luck of the draw. I'll take Sometimes OBJ, you have, the drama queen in a heartbeat. Oh, and Sterling Shepard. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I'll take their their roster of of young running backs that nobody knows their names and whatever. Like hmm. I would take you all guys of them. Are probably taking this a little bit too far. Fine, no OBJ, you're right. No Brandon Marshall, but but your you're point right. is is well made. Your point is well made. That that that's really dysfunction at, at its best, right there. I mean, could you right. like like two time MVP, uh, Super Bowl MVP, and and you bench him, and then you but, get fired. But can you blame me for thinking that the dysfunction can happen here? Because we've had we've had that dysfunction, and it's it's a taste that we're so familiar with. Yes, I agree that we're not nearly as close to that dysfunction as we used to be, but I can't be the only person that still thinks in the back of my head that that dysfunction I, is lingering around. I'll be around. honest. Yes, it's we in the- saw the dysfunction a little bit this summer with the McLuhan thing. I'm I'm just part of me. I, I would say twenty percent of me, maybe less than twenty percent, is worried. That that dysfunction will come up somehow. Well, frankly, maybe not the whole thing goes blown up. Gruden's probably safe, but something will happen, and it's going to freak me out. I, I don't disagree with you. I think there's there's a chance with this management chain. There's always a chance that they make a half-ass attempt to re-sign Kirk. He walks. Then there's no reason. Like it's very hard to to bring talent when you don't have critical pieces in place. So we already know that they're going to have to build. They're going to have to bring in wide receivers who's going to want to come play wide receiver here for colt mccoy it's not not a knock on him but he's not Kirk cousins and who's going to want to stick around you know if you're if you're zach brown for example do you really want to spend the next two or three years waiting for a guy like rosen or whoever else they get uh, to come in here the the ryan fitzpatrick's of the world do you really want to stick around here for that like it's not signing kirk or at least making a real run at him 
could have very serious ramifications down the line. But for right now, Kirk is playing. He's auditioning every single week, right? I, I You guys heard me say a couple weeks back, I think New Orleans is a legitimate landing spot for him if they decide to move on from Breeze. Um, you know, so he's auditioning every single week. He's going to give you what he's got. He doesn't want to be benched. He wants to play. He's betting on himself, you know. And frankly, to me, you know, just to, to, to you know, talk about segues, when we talk about Kirk and we talk about the, the, the career trajectory he may be on, if he ends up staying here long term with the Skins, wouldn't he have a very similar, as of right now, trajectory as one Philip Rivers with the Chargers? This is a guy who had an opportunity, right? He came in and basically he, he was he came in to spell breeze. They 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 went in all in on 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 Rivers. Has had phenomenal regular seasons. Has had a whole bunch of bad ones. No real postseason success whatsoever to speak of. You know, I look at these guys. They're 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 semi gunslingers. They're pocket passers that can scramble and can run. They've you know Breeze is or sorry not Breeze. Um, Rivers has had some talent at, at different points in his career at wide receiver. Obviously, he had a Hall of Famer. Uh, running, running back, helping at some at different points, but, he, but he's never had the he's, full team. He's never had the full team, and he's never had a, a really, really strong caliber defense. I look at Kirk. Right. I look at Rivers, and this is something I'm, I'm going to bring up with our guest uh, uh, Nick Hamilton, who's going to he covers the Chargers locally in LA for NBC LA. I'm excited to get in his ear and just ask that same question. Do you guys see it, or, or am I am I am I pulling? Am I am I grasping here? Don't you kind of no, see you're, something you're, similar? There's there's definitely similarities between the two of them, and that's that's it, it didn't even click to me until you said that. It's actually really, really uh, astute observation. Like, I, they're very similar in in their trajectory. I just see it. I just see it playing out. I could see him here long term and never really having any sustained success because management won't give him the pieces that he needs to to be successful. I can just see it. Maybe I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong, but I can see it. How many kids does Philip Rivers have? Four thousand. He's very Catholic. I think he's. I think he's at. I think him and Cromartie are both at like ten or eleven. I think right. Yeah, now. but very different <laughs> circumstances. Different circumstances, sure. But they were teammates at one point. Did you know Cromartie's getting a show? I saw. I just saw that there's like a commercial for him. I think it's called like Sugar Daddy or some something <laughs> weird. Where like he's he's like yeah, I have like fourteen kids running around. Blah blah blah. It's, Whatever. Anyway, but look, the, the Chargers are six and six, and and they're tied for the division. You but know, they're playing. Divi- they're playing some great football, though, right? They've won. What? What? They started zero and four. They started zero and four, I believe. Yeah, they they, they started they went, really uh, bad. Yeah, I mean, and and now they're they're in the thick of it. So, well, for the division that? that that we all pick, like the Chargers or the Chiefs, the to be good. We all pick the Raiders to be good, and the Broncos. You know, no one ever thought that they'd be this bad. Um, for a division that's you know that we all picked to be really good, it, the the winner is going to be like an, an eight win team or a nine win team. But let's be honest here: the Chargers are playing by comparison to the. I mean, Denver is a, is a non factor, right? That that is a W even for the Skins in their in their horrendous state right now. The Raiders, we beat the Raiders already, but I mean everybody can beat the Raiders, especially if the wide receiver is going to go out there and just start punching people. And Cooper is <laughs> a vanishing act. I mean that team took a real step back this year, even with adding. Uh, Marshawn, and then you you look at the Chiefs. The Chiefs started hot, and the wheels have completely come off it's there. I mean, typical Andy Dal- or uh, Andy Reid season yep. in Kansas uh, City. But, there, but this is this is exceptional even for him. I mean, no one saw this collapse coming from Alex Smith. Kareem Hunt looked looked like he was going to set all kinds of records. He he can't well, he can't manage it, it positive yards right now. It wasn't Alex Smith. Alex, I mean, we don't need to talk about this because 
wrong team, but it definitely wasn't Alex Smith. He put up huge numbers last week. It's that defense and and just no control over the team, and that's typical Andy Reid. But but I'll well, be I honest, hit, I, I hate Marcus Peters. Marcus Peters is one of the worst human beings on the planet, and and I I I I don't care, and I'm actually happy that he is, is like a lot of this is being pinned on him. I think he's a he's an asshole. But would you take him if we could? No, no, on principle, no way. All right, LP, you had something to say, <laughs> I think, right? No, I just like I said, I, I think <laughs> they're they're a six win team. They beat the the Browns ten to nineteen last week. They're they're not a bad team, but they're certainly not you know an upper echelon team. Like you look at some of these teams that the Redskins played recently: the Saints, the Vikes, Seahawks, Vikings, the Vikings. Like we hung with all of those teams, right? And and we had a we had an opportunity to but, to win each of those games. So the one thing I will say about about this game and and I. I'll draw a parallel here between this and all DC sports teams. We have a, uh, a unique ability to completely let our fan base down and then when our backs are up against the wall. Like Dallas, everyone thought we were going to win. Like Same with the Wizards, same with the Nats, same with the Caps. The games that we are supposed to win are the ones that we lose. When we're completely backs up against the wall, have nothing to play for, the DC teams give us that little glimmer of hope and say, okay, you know, we're all back on. We think we're a good team, and then, then it's just a roller coaster. It's up and down. So, I think the the Redskins uh, pull out this game. Well, I will say so we'll we'll get to our predictions. I'll say one last thing. Um, you were talking about the 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 Chargers being a, a six win team. They're probably looking at us the same way that you're just now looking at them. Like, oh, they're not that great. They're they're they have a. a not that many wins. Look at who they played. We They sucked against the Cowboys without Zeke. They barely beat the Giants, blah, 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 blah. But back to Joe's point, when you have a Kirk behind center, when you have a Phil Rivers behind center, the, it's going to be a good game regardless. It's going to be a good game. And I honestly don't know who's going to win because it really comes down to all the surrounding pieces around your stud quarterback. And I think it's going to be a very even game. On paper, anyway, it is. But uh, well, let's let's save some of this for uh, for Nick. So on the other side, we'll take a break here. But on the other side of the break, Nick Hamilton, you can uh, you can find him on Twitter at Nick Hamilton LA, uh, writer reporter for NBC LA, covering the Chargers, the Rams. Um, also hosts a show called The Morning After with Nick Hamilton on Saturdays eight morning locally on on NBC on the NBC affiliate in LA. He's up close and personal with both uh, both LA teams. Both after this week will have faced the Redskins, so it'll be interesting to get his input and insight as he sees our team for the second time this season. So stay tuned for that. We'll be right back after a short break with Nick Hamilton. Welcome back into Defeating the Curse. Joining us now on the Heroes Media Group Hotline, Nick Hamilton. You can find him on Twitter, at NickHamiltonLA. Writer and reporter for NBCLA covering the Chargers, the Rams, purveyor of the podcast, Bolt by the Horns. Going deep dive into both of those professional teams on a week-to-week basis. Nick, thank you so much for making time for us. We really appreciate you coming on and sharing your insight into the Chargers this week. Hey, man, thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. So we are we are DC super fans here. We we've been at this now for a while. This is our second trip out to LA, or the Redskins' second trip out to LA this season. The first one went really well. 
I don't think we're so confident this time around. Um, I mean, you, you obviously cover this team. What's happened with the Chargers? I mean, is it the collapse of the AFC West, or are the Chargers just really playing some, some top-notch football right now? What, what happened that they're all of a sudden just streaking? Well, I think um, they got a wake-up call after the 0-4 start, and they had a chance to go to the Giants and play the, the league's, one of the league's worst teams in the Giants. Um, and I think they, they turned the corner. And I think after the first win, they were like, okay, we got the monkey off our backs. Let's see what we can do with the next week's win. Um, and they were able to, um, you know, build some momentum. Uh, I had a chance to talk to Joey Bosa uh, on Tuesday. And I just asked him, I said, hey, what's the mentality? You guys are six and six right now. Uh, you have four games left. What's the mentality of the team? He just said, you know, we're treating every game like a playoff game. We're taking every every game week by week. And I also had a chance to speak with Casey Hayward uh, today. And I, I just asked him, I said, you know, when was the point when you guys realized, okay, we're going to play, we're going to take this season like it's a playoff game and play game by game by game. And he said probably after the fourth game that they won, that's when they started to realize, you know what, well, we can actually win this thing. And then the collapse of the Chiefs, which I told everybody they're the Chiefs. It is Alex Smith. Alex Smith is doing what Alex Smith does. And, and this, is what ha- this is what happens. And so now the Chargers pretty much control their own destiny. Uh, if they win out, they win the division. They have some tough opponents, again, starting with Washington on Sunday. Then they travel to the Chiefs on Saturday night at Arrowhead, and then they go – across uh, the country to the Jets, and then they finish out New Year's Eve uh, against the Raiders. And so um, it's going to be a challenge for them, but the Chargers can win out. They can turn the season around. They have a great opportunity to do so, and everybody's clicking on all cylinders. Um, You know, Phillip Rivers is playing at an elite level. Uh, Keenan Allen has definitely been the story. Uh, in the last he's even emphasized that uh, a couple of weeks ago uh, so he's making history playing extremely well he's one of the reasons why the Chargers have been because of his stellar play so uh, Nick talking about Phil Rivers first before we get into Keenan Allen um I'm I'm glad you brought him up because he's having one of his better years in a very, very long time. A lot of that has to do with he's no longer top in the league with throwing picks. Um, he can actually breathe behind the line for a second without getting sacked. Is is the O-line really improved or is it more Phil Rivers just kind of showing his his veteran leadership and his, his elite talent? Rivers has just been able to really make some key throws. I think it's been the game plan of Anthony Lynn. Um, as far as making sure that that, that Philip Rivers is comfortable in that in that offense, and also too, the key has been having Keenan Allen come out of the slot. When he's come out of the slot more, he's had better yards after the catch. He's been more effective, and that's opened up the doors for guys like Hunter Henry to get open. And you have the running game, which is going to be open more with Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler, who I like to call the Human Torch, uh, burn through defenses. And so when you have that type of chemistry and that type of, of atmosphere going for you, uh, you can't do anything but win. You know, win games that you're, that you're supposed to win, and that way it make an opportunity for you to actually make a playoff run and be able to win your division, especially when every other team around you is collapsing like a California earthquake. Yeah. 
That's funny because uh, that's exact opposite of what the Redskins needed to do last <laughs> week. They they needed to beat Dallas, or they needed they just needed to win, and they couldn't do it. But one of the most more intriguing matchups I think of this weekend is going to be obviously Keenan Allen, who's been absolutely crushing in the past three games. What did he have? Like 105, 170, 159 lots yards lots total. Of yards. Lots. Lot, lots of yards. Probably in the past three yeah, games, probably had more yards. For a buck yeah. He's probably had more yards than all the Redskins receivers combined in the just in the past three games. <laughs> but one of one of the more intriguing matchups, I guess, is going to be him versus Josh Norman. But Norman doesn't really switch fields, switch sides of the field, and especially when when he's moved into the slot, Norman doesn't really travel that well. What, I, what do you guys? I mean, what's the sentiment out there in in LA with you know the the Keenan Allen versus Redskins secondary matchup? Well, I think, I mean, Keenan Allen's having the best year of his career. Uh, it's probably since his rookie campaign. And so, um, like I was saying earlier, when you have Keenan Allen coming out of the slot, it's going to be hard for people to defend him. And, he, you know, he's not intimidated. He's not afraid. I know Josh Norman likes to talk a lot, so does Keenan Allen. So you might see a couple of times where you have those guys matched up against each other, but I don't foresee it being uh, for a full quarter or, dare I say, a full half. Uh, I think you're going to get times when you're going to put Norman on him, especially in third-down situations uh, or key situations where they need to complete the drive. But I think uh, for Keenan Allen, that's not a guy you want to have to come out of the slot to Josh Norman. But also, too, you don't want a one-on-one matchup with Josh Norman because that's not an island that you want to remain on anytime soon. Uh, Josh Norman is a beast. He's a baller. Uh, he'll make you pay, uh, as he's done against Amari Cooper and Michael Crabtree. Uh, early on, so uh, speaking about another AFC West opponent, so you know you want to be very careful and very strategic when you're using Keenan Allen um, against a guy like Josh Norman because he is high octane, he is high power. Um, so you just have to be very careful. So I, I doubt we see the matchup that we all want to see uh, for a good portion of the game, but I think we'll definitely see uh, the mix and matches throughout the course of the game, depending on the nature of, of the situation. Nick, I have a question for you, uh, just switching gears here for a second. Kirk Cousins is a known commodity around the NFL. He's likely going to get, if not the biggest contract in, in the history of the league, one of the biggest contracts in the history of the league. You know, earlier tonight, uh, LPFP and myself, we were kind of debating, you know, his career path or, or, you know, what what path is he on or what does he, you know, if he continues on the trajectory he's on, where does he end up? And the name that comes to my mind is, is actually Philip Rivers. I think there's a lot of parallels and a lot of a lot of conclusions that can be reached about what Cousins can be when you look at Rivers. I think they're similar style quarterbacks. I think they they've at certain times in their career may or may not have had above average talent. Certainly Rivers had LT for a long time at running back. He's had some above average receivers over the years as well. He's never had a real amazing defense, but serviceable ones, but no real postseason success that to, to mention or to, to brag about if you're Philip Rivers. We look at Kirk Cousins here, you know, if they sign him to the long-term deal, which most fans in D.C. want to do, it's going to, I mean, the money won't be there to, to put pieces around him necessarily that are consistently above average or, you know, Pro Bowl caliber. Do you see any similarities between Cousins and Rivers yourself? Uh, maybe a couple, but not that many. Because when you look at Philip Rivers, yeah, I mean, 2007 when they went to the AFC Championship game, and they completely just, you know, tricked it off. Um, that's probably a postseason uh, 
blunder that he wants to forget, even though, hey, he did make it to the postseason. And it was against the New England Patriots. Uh, but when you look at Phillip Rivers, I think Phillip Rivers just gets the kind of pub and notoriety that he did because he was in a small market in San Diego. But when you look at the numbers and what he's had, I mean, he's had top-notch receivers. But if you've noticed, Phillip Rivers has always been successful with receivers that are 6-1 and above. You look at Vincent Jackson, you look at uh, – you know, dating back to that time, you look at uh, even, you know, Antonio Gates. You look at uh, now with Keenan Allen, Tyrell Williams. Uh, we'll see what Mike Williams has to offer uh, once he gets fully healthy after a season. Um, but he's traditionally been successful with top-notch, with taller receivers. Uh, when you look at Kirk Cousins, yeah, I agree with you. I don't think they really put the talent around Kirk Cousins enough for him to be successful. So if I'm Kirk Cousins and I'm looking at the landscape of, of the Washington franchise uh, as it is right now, and I have opportunity to not only make money but to win. I don't know if I'm going to stay in Chocolate City long long term. I think I may look, explore my options. I may say, you know what, man, I, I'm gonna go ahead and get this free agency underway. You guys, the franchise tag me to death. So I think if I'm Kirk Cousins, I kind of look around, I kind of see the landscape. You know, I, I still take a look at, the, at, at at my current girlfriend, but I'm out there, you know. I'm out there looking at the other, you know, fine girls that are out there that, uh, you know, may catch my eye. You know, we, we may have to go on and, you know, be, well, make the side chick the main chick. You well, never know. But, I, I, but, but I, to that I, analogy, I'll tell your you current what, girlfriend. Nick, I'll tell you what, Nick. I never thought I'd say this, but the the better looking girl may be in Jacksonville right now. She may be in New Orleans. She yep. she may she may even be up 95 in New York. He, Kirk is going to have so many options and so many suitors. We're we're not we're not drinking the Kool Aid that he's definitely coming back. In fact, all of us essentially agree he won't be coming back, which is going to set the Redskins franchise back uh, a, a decade. You know, it'll be another decade before we have someone to build around at that position <laughs> again. So, you know, we we are not optimistic that he's coming back. You know, my point is really just I, I look at him three four years into the league. You know, he's he's going to be mentioned amongst amongst the best without really that that postseason pedigree. That Rivers again, you you picked on you know that one that one great season, you know, but he hasn't consistently gotten there. In fact, the Chargers over the last right. four or five years start zero and two or zero and three, and they're just digging out of this hole. Same thing this year. Now the AFC West collapsed this year, yep. which helps him, but you know over the last half decade or so, he I mean the Chargers just start off really slowly, and and you know just to one last thing for me before I know FP's dying to get back in here. Uh, the the over six one receiver thing is really fascinating. I couldn't help but chuckle to myself because we finally got Kirk a receiver over six one who turns out he couldn't play receiver. He was not a receiver. So um, you know the 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 prior experiment in DC was a, a colossal failure. Well, we had a couple much. of them and none of them could play. That's so. that's all. yeah. I mean, in Doxon when he's healthy, <laughs> maybe maybe there's some talent there. But um, yeah, I, I think Kirk Kirk's gone. I mean, it it rips my heart out every time I have to say those words. But he he's not he's not back here. FP. What, what did you want to chime in with? Well, I wanted to go to the the, the defensive side of the ball. That's what I'm all about. Um, and you you said it earlier. You're talking to Bossa earlier. He's having a great year. I think he has like 11 and a half sacks. Melvin Ingram with eight something, eight and a half. Um, your defense is, is, is good. Your pass rush is good. Except your run defense sucks. And for a team that has a weak running game such as us, we should be able to exploit that. Do you think that's going to play a factor in the game? I think it absolutely could play a factor, but one thing that people forget 
And the reason why they were they are now 30th in the league at one time, they were 31st. So congratulations to the Los Angeles Chargers for moving up <laughs> the depth chart. Uh, but I will say the one key factor that people tend to forget, everybody focuses on Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram, and as they well should. But there are two other factors that you have to remember. There's a guy named Denzel Perriman that gives the opportunity for guys like Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram to make those explosive plays. Uh, this is a guy that Denzel Perriman, who missed eight games, that came back against Jacksonville and made eight tackles and had the most tackles out of everybody after only <laughs> after coming back off that eight-week layoff. Um, and he's been his motor's been running ever since, and it's been increasingly easier for guys like Melvin Ingram uh, and Joey Bosa to get sacks or force fumbles, or put enough pressure on the opposing quarterback to either throw the ball away or throw an interception toward Casey Hayward or Trey Boston. Uh, to make fantastic plays. So there's a guy there that people, I think, need to really give more credit and respect to because without him, as you saw, as you guys talked about uh, a few seconds ago, you know, the the, the run, the pass, the uh, run defense was garbage. Uh, and, that, and that's true. So I think it's improved somewhat. I mean, I know the numbers may not reflect it, but as far as the attitude and the energy on the field, there's definitely been a, a, a tremendous difference since the return of Ben Hey, Nick, I, I want to ask you something, but I already know the answer to it. And, uh, like, I don't want to get into game prediction because, uh, I mean, after hearing you for the past 30 minutes, I think the Redskins have zero chance. Zippy. But Zippy. If, <laughs> if, <laughs> Thank me, God I'm not the only one. <laughs> let me ask you this. If somehow the Redskins shock the Chargers, the L.A. Chargers, mm-hmm. it would be because of what? Help me fill in that blank. Uh, unable to stop the run, uh, unable to put enough pressure on Kirk Cousins to either throw the ball away or actually force a, a pick. Um, and, and that's what they're going to have to do. I mean, you have guys on the interior that can play really well uh, for the Chargers. And then also, too, I know that the, the Washington team is 5-7, and seven, but their record really doesn't reflect their play because they are an aggressive team that likes to get after them. I mean, from the film that I've reviewed, um, so you can't really take these guys lightly uh, just because of their record away or where they currently are, the NFC East. Uh, I think you have to take them very seriously, and the Chargers are. Um, and head coach Anthony Lynn, when I asked him a question today about having issues about getting into the red zone, uh, excuse me, in the end zone, because against Cleveland, they were only allowed uh, one touchdown in the end zone to have to go to Keenan Allen. Uh, so we have this Washington franchise coming in here. They can make things tough. Uh, for the Chargers to stall out offensively getting into the end zone. And I'm telling you, uh, you don't want Kirk Cousins to start getting on a roll because once he gets on a roll, it's really hard and slowing down. He's like a freight train. Yeah. I mean, I think, you ask any of us, none of us think the Redskins are a bad team. We have 16 players on IR, one player who decided he didn't feel like playing football anymore. That's 17 players. Of those 17, probably 15 of them had a very prominent role at some point in the season. So, I mean, it just the bad luck of this year has just completely crushed the Redskins. But I do want to ask one more yeah. question. Our franchise is yeah. both both the Redskins and and the Chargers are kind of very different in in this aspect. FedEx Field here in Landover, Maryland, seats at one point sat ninety seven thousand people. Then it kind of went down to eighty, seventy, but it's full pretty much every game. It's not all all Redskins fans. I mean, a lot of it is fans Redskins of the other fans. team. Let's right. But over there in StubHub Center, it seems like, one, there's not a whole lot of fans there, and two, 
based on what Keenan Allen's comments were today, that it's pretty much an away game for them. What's what's the what's going on there? Is it can can LA handle two teams? And what's what's the fan base like there? Well, to answer your first question, absolutely, in a, uh, LA can handle two teams. It's the second largest market. They can definitely handle two teams. I just think. Uh, you know, it, it takes time. I think there was a lot of resentment. There was a lot of opposition when the Chargers first moved from San Diego to Los Angeles. Um, in my estimation, and I've said this on other shows, that I think it would have been a, a, a lot smarter if Dean Panos and company would have rebranded and left the name in San Diego along with the team colors and so forth and just created, basically got the fans more involved into the process of creating a, quote, expansion team as a second franchise and I think it would have been embraced a little bit more. I, but obviously, I mean, turning the page, uh, you know, people are starting to get on board with the Chargers little by little because they are winning. And this is a city where if you're starting to win and you're the hottest thing, people will jump on board. That's just how it goes. I mean, if you go across up to 110 uh, to the Coliseum and how the Rams are performing from last season, people are, I, I see a lot more Rams fans around town uh, than I did last year. So I think it just uh, winning is a cure for everything. I think. Um, you know, with stuff up being small, it's a great venue to watch football, but it is small. It's only 25,000 seats plus. Um, it's, and it's, it's what I like to call it 50-50 stadium. You know, you have 50% Chargers fans. You may have 50% Washington fans. You know, uh, last week it was probably 60-40. You had 60% Chargers fans. It was the loudest I've ever heard Chargers fans roar in the stands uh, against the Cleveland Browns. Uh, so... Uh, this week it could be 50-50. It could be 50% Washington fans, 50% Chargers fans. Well, I, uh, I think the nature of the business. That might be the part that's a little misleading. We, we we saw this when the Skins traveled to LA in week two to uh, to face the Rams. You know, it was it there was a good amount of Redskins fans. Um, I guess as a percentage of the total people there, but I mean there just wasn't a lot of people there. I think at, I think at kickoff there was like 12,000 people or definitely under 20,000 people. You know, so hopefully there's more people out in the stadium this week as the the skins travel to face the Chargers. But uh, you know, I've spent some time in LA. I, I certainly understand the idea that that winning will bring people out. You know, but the Coliseum is an interesting example, right? Because that that place is packed anytime USC takes the field, right? I mean, anytime like there's there's yeah, established friends. Go ahead. Yeah, it's mostly packed. But the thing with the Coliseum is the parking situation and the traffic. And the same thing I believe with Subbub, I think it's the parking situation and it's the traffic. The only advantage that you have with the Coliseum is that you, you do have a train stop that lands right probably about a block away from the Coliseum. So you have people that can take mass transit on Sunday. I mean, I've done it when I've covered Rams games. So um, the only disadvantage that you have with Subbub is that you have to drive or get an Uber or a Lyft uh, into the stadium. And then also, too, the parking. I mean, there's a $100 parking if you want to tailgate. I think the cheapest parking at Unbelievable. is $40. $100 to park. Unbelievable. Yeah, $100 to tailgate. I don't need to tailgate that damn much. <laughs> no. Man, but I can go in my backyard and do the same thing. No thanks. Man, Redskins fans completely flip out when they have to pay 40 bucks for parking. I mean, that's, uh, what, 150%? Oh, that's, yeah, that, that, that's $40 is the cheapest. And thank wow. God I have a parking pass when I come to a game. Yeah, hey, those media credentials come in real valuable sometimes. Hey, yes, um, let's let like let's <laughs> let's let's go around the horn here. Let's do a quick round of game predictions. FP, you go first. Who wins on Sunday? Um, again, always a homer. 
going to pick the Skins. Uh, I'm going to pick a tight one, 17-14 Redskins. All righty. LP? You know, I, w- I was 100% Skins before this podcast. Um, <laughs> t- talking to Nick, I'm like, I'm like, man, like you're right. Keen- there's no way we're going to stop Keenan Allen. Like, there's just no way. I, I go Chargers 34, Skins 17. Ugh, it's oh, so realistic. Man. Nick, <laughs> Nick, who you got on Sunday? Uh, well, you know what? The fact that you everybody's focused on Keenan Allen, you need to be focused on Hunter Henry. That's all I'll say about that. Uh, I'll say twenty-four twenty Chargers. Wow. Okay. Then we are split. I'm going with my standard pick: Redskins win big, <laughs> fifty to twelve. It's never, it, it'll never happen, but it makes me feel just a little bit better about about myself whatever and this team. Whatever you today, man. Whatever you do today. Thank you so much I for joining us. Definitely need to hedge Nick. my bet for this. this oh game. yeah, this is definitely an emotional hedge week. We need to put some money on the Chargers. So <laughs> win or lose, we 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 feel a little bit better. Um, but Nick, thank yeah, you so much. Spread? I don't even know what the spread is. Uh, I, I saw six it. Six and a half. It was six and a half uh, this morning. It was six and a half. Okay, so, so it Yeah. Okay, so I'll be close. All right. Yeah, but uh, Nick, thank you so much for making time for us. We really appreciate it. For those that are listening, you can find Nick on Twitter at Nick Hamilton LA. Again, writer and reporter for NBC LA covers the Chargers, covers the Rams. Also, check out the podcast Bolts by the Horns. Nick, thank you so much for making time for us. We really, really appreciate it. Hey, thank you guys for having me, man, and I look forward to talking to you guys sometime soon down the road. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for everyone Thanks, listening. Nick. We appreciate your, uh, your your tuning in and, and listening to our take on this week's uh, upcoming game at the Chargers. Thank you to Heroes Media Group, our, our partner. We are proud members of the HMG family. Thanks again. Be safe. Go Skins. Hail to the Redskins. LP, are you going gonna to sing the song on the way out? Are you going to sing us out? It, it's, it's December 6th and we're already out of the playoffs. <laughs> but you know what? Hail to the Redskins! Victory. Victory. Hopefully it's a victory Monday come, uh, come next Hopefully week. Hopefully I'm sound, wrong. Let's get, let's sound, get a win. Sound, sounds like misery. Thank you for listening. This has been DTC. We are out.